Welcome to the Marketing Retro Podcast, where Josh and Adrian talk about the various marketing ideas in our minds. Josh, what are you thinking about this week? So I wanted to talk about marketing strategists. I know you're one. Mm -hmm, Um, And uh, yeah. And uh, oh, actually, you mentioned the other day speaking at an event as a strategist next week. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, um, okay. I'm flying to NYC, New York City next Wednesday to speak on Friday at SAS Open. And it's the first time I'm going to speak on a stage. So it feels like a big deal. Um, I've done, you know, classrooms over and over again, feel super comfortable in a classroom. Uh, Zoom hundreds of times by now. I think I've been speaking for about three years. Yeah. Three or four years on Zoom. And so, Podcasts are pretty familiar, but to be on stage and be speaking to people, that's completely different. So um, it's a comfort zone sort of for me. Like I don't get super anxious. I don't like feel like I'm going to throw up, Um, but I'm excited. So I'm talking about, you know, how to pull out of growth stalls. Product market fit is a lie. And I've kind of coined a term based upon Persona K. I had a chat with Persona K. Do you know who Persona K is? No. He, oh, he's so good. He runs a um, accelerator uh, for, they say it's India-based startups, but I think he works globally. Um, it's Upeka. And he was showing me his little flywheel thing about product market. He didn't call it product market flywheel. It was basically like all of the areas that they come in and consult and work with their uh, startups for. It's an accelerator program. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I needed to see and know because I've been trying to like conceptualize the idea of product market fit in a different way. So we're going to talk about it on Friday. It's a very quick, like it's only a 20 minute talk, um, but I'm excited and it's going to be really cold in New York city. So I'm trying to figure out also, do I have to bring a coat? So that, that's kind of what's going on this week. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. No, I'm excited for you. That's going to be awesome. I am uh, definitely afraid of the stage and yeah. uh, I wouldn't say I'd throw up, but I'd be super nervous. Um, but, uh, you know, I, and I think actually starting my podcast journey was one of the, I think, I would say road stops or uh, pit stops along the way in me trying to get better at speaking publicly. I love to talk, which, yeah. you know, but yeah. <laughs> but speaking publicly and in small circles is fine, uh, you know, small smaller types of things. But the stage is a, is a different beast to me, so. Maybe yeah. I'll get up there one day. So it's the teacher in me, you know, like to be able to be on top and like talk about a topic and have people, you know, engaged. I like to kind mm-hmm. of do talks differently. Um, I I don't know. I just there's something about it I absolutely love. So I'm excited. Awesome. Hope I do so, well. Yeah. We'll I'll- see. <laughs> I'm sure you'll do fine. So I'm rooting for you. So thanks. Appreciate that. So on to the topic. So marketing strategist. So I've yeah. uh, been thinking a lot about this lately because I've been talking to different marketing strategists just as we've been reassessing how we do marketing here. So mm-hmm. I think I've talked about it on the pod in the past, but uh, we had a a, market, a content marketing leader uh, working for us, but she left for other pastures, not for any bad reasons. Like we, yeah. she actually still does work for us on the side here and there. So all on good terms, but I have not backfilled that position yet. And I've been thinking a lot about this and I've been going on this, what I'm calling my own, like meet marketers tour. Yeah. Um, 
So different personalities out there in the wild uh, that are you might see on LinkedIn and Twitter, but reached out to probably talk to different people. Uh, at this bait, at this rate, it was initially one person a week, and I think at this point, I've probably averaged two, so wow. depending on different different subjects and whatnot. Um, yeah. But one of the things that became interesting as I'm crossing with different types of marketers is this marketing strategist role. And I saw this tweet the uh, yesterday and it's from uh, a marketing strategist of some sort. And he, and he basically writes, he says, my leads and clients tell me strategy experts are clueless about execution. And that's why they choose me. Uh, you can't have strategy without tactics. Strategy is an action plan. It needs to be actionable, but it's usually not. So that spoke to me interesting enough you know, because it was after talking with some different people and hearing not, and I'm not trying to out anyone, anyone I've talked to, but just as I'm talking to different people in this landscape or listening in on conversations on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I kind of, I agree with him. And I think that said something to me to where I believe you're in this camp as well, but founders and people like me who are looking to hire and have consultants or, or even to, to work with, they don't want strategists who aren't going to do the execution. Like yeah. that is the fun part, like doing, or at least for me is like doing some of the strategy and workshopping this stuff, but I don't want to just be told do that. And then having to figure out how to execute it. So. Yeah. I think, so there are two kind of different worlds really where this fractional strategist CMO consultant idea who only comes in and lays out a proposed plan or like looks at your own data, um, you know, like the McKinsey's and the Bain and companies like those work for enterprise level companies, right? Like mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're confirming or denying a current VP's thought, right? Like they, they have a hypothesis. They need someone mm-hmm. else, third party to come in, confirm and deny it. And then they can go about doing their own thing. Uh, and so if you're, work- yeah, if you're working with those level of people, they don't need you to execute. They've got departments and teams and, you know, thousands upon thousands of employees to do what needs to be done. They just kind of need someone to come in and prove that they're right when they're going to talk to the board or they're going to talk to the CEO. Um, mm-hmm. I've been a strategist and a consultant not at that huge level of enterprise, but like definitely enterprise. They had lots of teams and really they just needed some confirmation. They needed what the data I could provide to go and do it. So it works really well like that. But if you're a startup founder and maybe your team is less than a hundred folks, you need every head, every person to be able to like execute a thing. And that was one of the things that I also heard a lot. Like, You know, they just give me this idea and then they drop it off and walk away. And what you hear when you do research often is number one, people don't buy research, which that's a lie. People do. And number two, (laughs) uh, you hear like, well, then you get this research and then now what? What do I do with this? Right? Like I've gotten this big, like 70 page slide deck. Like, what do I do with it? So one of the things that I wanted to do that was different was to actually help execute on the research that we learned so that you're not just like sitting there looking at all of this data and scratching your head and going, I don't, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do now. Like, where do we go from here? So I agree in the parts that, uh, especially if you're working with startups and founders, that they need help pushing through with what the agenda you set in place. You can't just like be so high level to say, oh, hey, here's like 12 things you need to do. Go do this, go do this. Here's what we learned. And then not actually help them 
execute. And that's regardless of what you're doing. If you're doing a content strategy or if you're looking at growth or if you're looking at, uh, you know, product development, like wherever it is, be able to get your hands dirty a little bit is going to be helpful. No, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. I'm glad you broke down those two separate types of like marketing consultant types of things. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a huge value in that deep research and strategy and taking like what else is going on in different markets. That's where the McKinsey's or these other ones or anyone like that yeah. is going to do a lot of research to give, like you said, that the the executive confidence in the strategy. So they yeah. did, they, they were the one out there in the wild, looking at multiple reps, looking at different opportunities and also maybe cross-examining internally, trying to figure out because there is value in bringing in the third party to come in with that point of view. And then, then it is now up to that executive to work with their team to actually make the changes happen because the change management internally, maybe that also could use some assistance from the consultants that come in and have done those things before, but yeah. their, their teams are largely, you know, hopefully responsible for the execution. Yeah. And the kind of data that I pull and that I work with, it's cross-functional. So mm-hmm. it would be, I would be in the way a little bit when I work with these larger companies and telling them like, okay, now let's execute on that. Like if I were to try to come in and help execute, I make recommendations. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, make uh like show where customers needs are and the demand is that's a huge part of it but um when it comes to executing product knows what they need to do uh customer support pulls the data that they find interesting and knows how they can respond to it but this level of company is like they're anywhere from 25 to 75 100 million arr they've acquired companies Um, You know, they're just a larger company that doesn't necessarily need that kind of support. They do need the data. Um, But when I work with early stage startups, yeah, no, it's like, let's get our hands dirty, roll up your sleeves, get to work. And so there's a, there's a strategist, there's a, a fractional, I think part of it was like, is this fractional CMO actually beneficial for people? There's a, a way to execute and a level that you need to be at. I bet the tweet that you read, he's working with zero to five million companies you know he's working with folks who like we need you to be able to if you come up to me with a content strategy plan i need you to be able to write some papers i need mm-hmm. you to be able to like put out some blog posts i need you to be able to help me uh you know rewrite the landing pages rewrite the home page like that's where they're at and that's that's good and great uh that's not necessarily how every strategist works so find the one that's no exactly where you need. And that's a large part of it. Like if you are a consultant, make sure your people know what level you're at. Like, well, I don't actually work with zero to five. I don't work with early stage mm-hmm. startups. You've got to have, you know, at my level, you need to have VPs, you need to have teams and departments or you right. work with start- like, just make sure you're being clear. Um, and that's why and it, we're kind of veering. I'm going to veer off a little bit but no, on the call when you're doing your discovery calls clients and consultants, it's the consultant's job to determine what level of business are you at? What are your current problems? Do you, are you aware of what's going on? Like, and then what do you need my help with? And then am I a good fit? And I think consultants are afraid to say, you know, that's not where I work. I'm not a good fit for that. I'm, they, you know, sometimes consultants want to take or strategists, freelancers, whatever you want to call them, just kind of want to take the job that comes in. And if I've got you on a call and I know I can kind of do it, maybe we can make it work. But I think they're doing themselves a disservice and not communicating that clearly to the the client. 
Okay. All right. You feel have a strong opinion about that, which is great. I, I think that's perfect. I think that's, but I think that's right with any, any basically sales sales type of call, right? Yeah. Like it's making sure that they're in the right place and you're the right person, you know, to do that job for them. So yeah. Um, one area I'd like to, you, you mentioned fractional a lot. Yeah. And so that's a bit of a hot button for me. So I don't know if this is like a, you know, a hot take or whatever, but I see the rise of people saying fractional CMO, fractional right. CMO. And honestly, I don't think it's a thing. I feel like it's just, it's just like, I think you want it, the people want it to be a thing because it sounds sexy. It sounds yeah. like a ideal strategic role, but if I think of like what a CMO should be, yeah, like having a fractional one just <laughs> doesn't make sense to me. Okay. So I actually disagree. And let me <laughs> okay. tell you why. Um, but I can agree with some. So I think that a few people who were legitimately fractional CMOs, the ones that I've seen that I know, and I'm not going to like share names, but okay. they were CMOs Fine. for large brands they were kind of going off on their own thing. They kind of just needed to fill in some gaps for their own income. And they found an opportunity and an alignment with a company that was at a good stage. There's execution in there. But if you cannot run paid ads, look at organic, look at the media and internal partner comms and PR, like if you cannot run all of those tiny little different departments inside marketing, don't call yourself a CMO. Like I've had people come to me like, well, we need a CMO. Are you that? I'm like, no, because I don't touch paid ads. I don't touch PR. I don't t like, there's a lot of, I don't touch social media. There's a lot of areas of marketing that I don't know. And I think a CMO should know those areas. Like you mm -hmm. may have your own specialty. Maybe you're more of a CMO of like content, but you still are aware of a paid ads and you still kind of have it. You at least know what's good and what's not good and what's functioning well and what's not functioning well, right? Like you can determine those things. So, but if you have the skill set, if you really have the skill set of a CMO, not just like, oh, I'm a strategist and I've put together content strategies. If you have the actual skill set of a CMO, then being able to be a fractional CMO for a startup, the startup is getting high quality, high level talent, good insights, for a fraction of the cost. And I think really, if it's played well, we talked about this on a previous episode where you kind of rent some space. If you can't afford to bring them all in house, you can kind of rent contractor mm -hmm. people. This is a good opportunity for a founder to say, okay, so I don't have $50,000 a month to spend on marketing, which would be what it would cost to hire a CMO and run all of the things at least $50,000. But I can spend 15, get a great CMO who spends, you know, we meet once a week and they spend 20 hours a week or whatever, 10 hours, like looking at our stuff, helping us move forward. And you do that for a year. I think you can really level up quickly rather than piecemealing a few lower level, you know, executive type people um, that maybe don't have the taste, that don't have the expertise, that don't have the know-how. That CMO is going to like level everything up. If, if, they're an actual CMO. Right. If you're hiring somebody who just put slapped fractional CMO on their bio because they've seen it be popular, then you're paying a lot for, uh, you know, somebody who doesn't have the skill set. And I think it really does take a lot to call yourself a CMO, to call yourself a fractional CMO. And all you know how to do is like one little piece of marketing is a disservice. If I were hiring, I'd want to make sure that person 
has had oversight over large companies and understands the various uh, different things in marketing that we do, which is a lot. It's a lot. No, I agree. I, I agree. And I think my, uh, my hot take is mostly leaning into that last bit you put in, which is like people that slap that on because yeah. they think it just sounds cool. And essentially they are, want to be a strategist, which I think there's nothing wrong with that, Right. but they still need to come with a, you know, an ex, at least an execution down one subject matter expertise. Like, um, so that's why I think that's helpful. But yeah, I, I, the trend is where I've seen it is just people slapping that on because it sounds, you know, it sounds sexy to them or it sounds yeah. like this is what I am. And it's like, no, you, you never were. I'm sorry. Like yeah. you were, you might be a generalist. You might've done a couple other things. You might've managed some agencies. You might've been a great middle manager of marketing and that type of thing. But again, like what, what are, unless you've done, I guess, both the, I would say upward managing and the downward managing, that's where I think it comes mm-hmm. to play with, with, Absolutely. A, with a CMO. And that's a good point. Like that's, and that's another perspective I don't even have because I've never been at, like in that type of position, but that upward management, how good can you internally sell your ideas? That's something that, you know, needs to be considered how, you know, what kind of company dynamic did have they worked in before? Um, yeah, it's true. And so and people have asked, like, why aren't you doing this fractional CMO thing, Adrian? Like, you work with clients, you do content strategies. You, And it's like, because I don't know. I know content and I know customer research. And that's like where I, I stay in my wheelhouse. So I don't know all mm-hmm. of the other things. And I don't want to. I don't want to know how to, like, analyze paid ads and things like that. So, you know, if you are a founder or if you're a marketer and you're thinking maybe I should be a fractional CMO, just make sure that your CMO level of knowledge. And I would say that would mean like you've been doing this in teams, running marketing for like I don't 10 years. It would seem like it would have to at mm-hmm. least be 10 years. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's a hot take too, but it seems like, come on. I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> I don't think to you're wrong. Chief? I think to put that in there and that's, I mean, I think the reality is, someone's going to, if someone, if someone talks to you and you're labeling yourself fractional CMO and you come in and don't have those types of things that I think the the buyer or the, the founder or CEO or whoever else is hiring you, I, I feel like you're, you're, you're either going to one, do a disservice to them because you're coming in and saying you're something that they may not know and have enough expertise about to tell the difference, which goes back to like something you talked about earlier about just making sure people are the right fit. Um, And, uh, or two, they're just going to like not trust you and just being like, okay, like that was weird. Like I know what that thing is and they're not that thing. And that almost, almost bothers me that they're going out saying that they're this thing and you just wasted my time. So, and and you've lost points now in my book. It's not like someone I want to support out there in community because you're kind of like, uh, I'm yep. just going to slowly back away. Well, and this goes back to like, I, okay, I don't know the exact number, but it's a very, very high percentage of CEOs who actually don't like their CMO. It's very high. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> average churn for a CMO is like two years. That's as long as a CMO on average keeps a job. And, you know, maybe it's because they're not all actually CMO, like you're not chief level yet. Maybe we're promoting people too soon. Um, 
I don't know, but it just seems like there's some correlation between a frustration between a CEO and then the trope of like the CMO comes in and changes all of the, you know, does the new website, does all the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's stuff like that. (laughs) So, you know, I don't know. Make sure that, yeah, if you're putting fractional CMO that you can actually be a high quality, but here, and this would be the dig. This would put you on the edge. If you are labeling yourself fractional CMO and you are CMO level quality, oh my gosh, I bet you could bring in 150K a month, like super easy. You get yourself working half time. Yeah. You get yourself (laughs) four clients and you know how to execute. And maybe even if you're doing it consultatively, you have a team that's not in-house. You've got your own little team externally that's yours, that doesn't belong to them. Man, you could kill it if you get the reputation of being such. I think most don't have the reputation of being CMO level right. quality. Right, right. Yep. So um, so I did pull up the definition of a CMO, just at okay. least, you know, what Google pulls to the top of the rank for take yeah. that what it's worth for all you SEO people. You wrote the best article. That- So it says CMOs are generally responsible for planning, developing, implementing, and monitoring the overall business marketing strategy. Um, I like that include implementing. And and monitoring. Wasn't and monitoring. It it actually says overall business strategy. It does not say strategist like comes up with the strategy. It's the planning and developing and monitoring. Monitoring is huge. That's like knowing those numbers. That's like executing and having confidence down to a T. And Mm -hmm. in my book, and I think I heard it on another podcast when people were talking about trying to get promoted into being a CMO and Mm -hmm. a CMO said, he's like, I think you need to have a minimum of two marketing channels that essentially independently drive new customer acquisition, two Mm -hmm. full stack channels. Like, you know, whether it's inbound and Mm -hmm. SEO is like one stack channel, let's say brand is a stack channel. Let's say, I I wouldn't say email marketing is one because I don't think you can do that on its own without, it's like a additive to the flywheels of some of the other channels, Yeah, but channels that could independently like this on its own can run and drive new user acquisition. So a CMO probably to call themselves a CMO, I feel like has to at a minimum be an expert in two of those types. It could be paid, paid is one. You just, yeah. the fuel you need is money. But, um, but I think two channels is, is good to have the diversity to be a CMO rather than just being a, you know, director of demand gen, director right. of like SEO and inbound or whatever. That's fine. That's, that's one channel that, you know, but I think a CMO needs two. Yeah. At least. And it's like, for me, I've worked with, what I would consider some of the best CMOs in B2B SaaS. Really, truly smart people. And they're not the flashy people. They, you don't know them on Twitter. You don't know mm-hmm. them on LinkedIn. These are just mm-hmm. like hands-on great folks. Um, and so seeing the difference between somebody who executes really well, runs a team really well, is just like professional, high-quality type person and running their business or running like within the business and then kind of what's flashy and what's a fractional CMO on Twitter and what gets like, you know, likes two totally different people, totally different like approaches. Um, And once you've seen high quality like that, it becomes really obvious like, okay, that's what's not high quality, right? Like it, it becomes apparent. So 
you know, like you, you're doing, you're doing your marketing tour. You have a better understanding of the different types of marketers that are out there, um, different t- specialties, different T areas, if you want to call it, or however you want to like the types of marketers that there are, which once you go to really hire your person, you're going to know, okay, this is where the fit is. This is what we need. This is who I'm looking for. Um, these are the specialties I want you to have. And then even just like these are the other kind of general areas I want you to be aware of, um, mm-hmm. you know, just get to know the marketing landscape, I think, is it becomes obvious who's good and who's who just talks well. Right. Right. Because if we're marketers, so. right, like if you're a marketer, guess what you're really good at? <laughs> Bullshit. You can market yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. You know. We might get, uh, we might lose a lot of listeners because of uh, this episode. Uh, so while we're throwing fuel into the fire, let me add one more. Okay. So um, there's also this common, like, uh, I think it's a, I think David, David, Dave Gearhart said it like uh-huh. years ago or something like that. And he said something along the lines of like, life's too short to like work for a, CEO or a founder who doesn't get marketing, right? That one always like, I would say yes, because I mean, I, I feel like I'm on the exception side of that rule of like actually understanding a bit of marketing um, Mm -hmm. more than, more than most uh, CEOs and founders. But I also feel like it does a, it does a disservice in that managing up component. Like we talked about a good, a person that is advocating for their own career and like having to upsell, like, why is this relevant? Why did they actually do a good job of, you know, selling other than just getting their foot in the door and getting a job, like Mm -hmm. of actually selling with numbers and selling with proof and selling with confidence that, that they're actually executing these types of campaigns and driving real, real customer acquisition. Right. So I, I don't, I, I'm like, I get it. And I see like, you know, for him who he's trying to get an audience of marketers. Yes, of course. Everyone's like, oh yes, you're so right. That's so right. painful. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have to convince them. It's like, that's your job. That's your, job. your job. As anyone, as a leader, if anyone, like if you're a leader, you have to go in and be direct, advocate for yourself, advocate for your craft, advocate that this moves the bottom line for the business. And your team. And it's your job to sell those things. And your team, advocate for the team members. Like all of that is your job. I'm yeah. sorry. It's not their job to understand your job. Right. They have their own job. So Exactly. And I think that kind of, it feels like this middle management part, right? Like where you're managing both people above you and people beneath you. And maybe the CMO is doing it cross-functionally, right? Like if it's truly an organization where the CMO is at the same level of the CEO, but probably not. um, I don't know. But yeah, your job is to teach people the importance of all of it and and move the needle. And like, I don't know. I, I agree with you on that. It's definitely... And that probably goes back to that statistic. Why CMOs are one of the most like <laughs> hated people within the company by the CEO. And it's like if a CEO is building and trying to like go off of facts and numbers and marketing can be very feely, you know, and like dark social. I watched a, there was something on like a dark social today. Like this is a whole new thing. Like mm-hmm. we're just not, I don't know. But yeah, you got to be able anyway, to, so. yeah, you got to <laughs> be able to say this is where we're headed. This is why we're going there. And I think the good ones are. The good ones can do that. I agree. I agree. 
the good ones out there, I think, can see through a lot of this stuff. And 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 there is limitations. Like I'm not saying you need right. to, like, hey, yeah, it may take you to wake up your your boss to like, you know, be interruptive and send them some videos, send them some other alternative ways to get through to them. But if you are spending, you know. I would say 90% of your time trying to convince or more than that. Like, yes, if you did this work and you wrote up this thing and they wrote up this proposal and they don't take the time to read it, that's probably a bad sign that the manager right. is never going to support you no matter how much you advocate for yourself. Like if yeah. you're raising your hand and saying, stop, I need you to take the time to look at this data with me, um, invest a little bit of your brain to at least tell me, is this interesting to you? Uh, how can I, how can how can I meet you where you are? Um, I think that's important. But you know, if you spend most of your time trying to convince them, and everything feels like a grind and uphill battle, like maybe you're spending ten percent, twenty percent of your time trying to upsell and upmanage the types of things you're working on, and to advocate for those those projects and those results. But if you're spending more than that, it's probably like this probably isn't the right place that doesn't appreciate you that you do need to, there are other ones out there. You could find that even if they're not marketing knowledgeable, we'll take the time to learn enough that like they can have some confidence in the decisions and support you for the projects you do want to run. Yeah. Learn enough or trust enough. Like one of the two has to happen. Either they learn Mm -hmm. and they're in the decision or they go, you, okay, sure. You're, I hired you. You're the expert. Do it. Um, I agree with you on that too. And that maybe that's what, the Dave Gerhardt quote was talking about like when CMOs are just fighting tooth and nail for every single decision. Like I've seen inside right. some companies where it's sales led and marketing is just like, it's a struggle. Every little, like every blog post is scrutinized. Every little bitty thing is just like, you know, and then that's when it does become, well, you're not at that point, the founder's not even letting you do your job. The CEO is right. like interfering with marketing, not just not understanding it but actually like bulldozing over it. There's a difference. Right. So sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, and marketing does deserve to have this seat at the table. I mean, they, they oh, deserve absolutely. to be like, you know, you talk about, and that's, I think probably part of the bigger change in the recent years of things being so sales led for so such a long time and marketing seen as being just a supportive element to everything else that is going on. Right. Yeah. So, um, I think, you know, done right, marketing is its own is it is is a is the one of the bigger pieces of the whole pie, right? So um it is driving distribution. It is it is that whole other founder trope of like first time founders focus on product and second time founders focus on distribution. And honestly, marketing from a one to many perspective, if you can do it right, like it'll be a gift that keeps on giving. It is not necessarily a hiring high head count to support your growth efforts. If you're doing marketing right, it's an asset and uh, it'll keep paying for itself. So, 100%. And I think we're probably preaching to a choir because most of the marketers, yes. probably, hopefully True, they're like, but... yes, that is exactly yes. right. We get yeah. that. Um, so so sorry for some of the hate, but we love you all. Yes. <laughs> so. We are you all. So yep. 100%. So. All right. Well, thanks, Adrian. Thank you, Josh. Have a good day. You too. Bye.